0: let's pray together this morning god thank you for just your presence with us thank you for the time of worship we've had the reminders through the different songs we sang together the hope that is filled in them the deliverance that is seen in them and the challenge of what it looks like to be your kids and how that helps us change the world god i do pray today that you would challenge each of us to ask you, what should we do in regards to that specific thing of money? God, you are a great provider. As a matter of fact, your word tells us that when we are obedient to you with our money, you will open the windows of heaven and the blessing that will rain down will be more than we can contain. And God, when we have more than we can contain, that means we can help change the world with the resources that you would bless us with. So God, I pray that if you nudge us to give, we would do that and we would honor you and we would be joyful. God, I pray this morning as we open your word that those words would jump off the pages, that we would truly experience the promise that your word is living and active today. God, your word transforms and renews and we need that this morning. We need to be reminded of your faithfulness We need to be reminded that we do have that incredible gift, that mysterious gift of salvation because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. We need to be reminded that we're in this together as a family of God. That those of us who are walking through challenging things, I pray today will be a day that brings us encouragement. And for those of us who are living in a place where we are excited about the season we're in, I pray that would propel us to be encouragers to those who are walking through challenging things. Let us spur one another on. Let us remind each other of just how good you are. And let this next chunk of our worship service, when we look at your word, be something that challenges us. But as much as it challenges us, it builds us up. And it sends us out of here equipped and ready to go show the world that the love of Jesus fills our hearts. That's what it's all about. Speak to us now, God, because you are our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you guys about next week real quick. We're going to start a new sermon series. And I don't know about you, but have any of you ever failed at anything? Just failed at something? Set a goal, didn't make it. Maybe you have really messed up in some area of your life and you're just like, oh man, I've totally failed. Well, I've got good news for you. The Bible is full of epic fails. From the beginning until the end, the Bible is full of people who totally failed God. And in the midst of their human frailty, God still used them. To help change the world. So if you have found yourself in places of failure, I'm going to encourage you to be here over the next handful of weeks as we look at some of the uh, people from the Bible, we look at just their humanness, their sin, the difficulties, their challenges, their failures, but bigger than that, we look at how God will use them and through their stories we will see that God will use us. So. I think most of us shook our heads or would've if we were honest. So that should unite us over the next few weeks to go, let's look at the hope that we can find in scripture when we look at these epic fails. Today we're concluding a message series in the book of Colossians. We've walked through the first about three and a half chapters of Colossians, and today we're going to walk through the last half of chapter three and chapter four, and that will conclude our message series. The first thing we're going to look at this morning is we're going to take a look at relationships in the home Paul uh, remember he's talking to the people in Colossi that's why the book is called Colossians we'll see at the end he writes that he's writing this letter from prison so he's been incarcerated for his faith many times Paul has found him in a place where he has almost lost his life because of his uh, desire to make Jesus known to the world and now he ends this letter the way he does a few other letters he challenges those in Colossae to look at their relationships in the home then he reminds us how we can help change the world through the way our actions and our words are lived out and then he'll throw a few names in and through those names we'll see exactly how we could live out an opportunity to encourage one another so let's start with these relationships it says wives submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely, because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. All right, there's a lot in this first chunk of Scripture. There's a lot to talk about. Number one, I remember when I was doing premarital counseling with my wife, and she made it very clear that she did not want to hear the word submit used anywhere in anything we talked about in our marriage. If there's a scripture about submit, it's not going to be read in our our wedding ceremony. If it's this, if it's that. And you know what? When I think about what I've heard in the church, And what I believe has just been kind of portrayed by the church. And unfortunately, how a large portion of at least a generation, if not even maybe more, of men have lived, they have really just listened to the one word in this scripture, and it's the word submit. I know we walked through the book of Timothy a couple years as a church, a couple years ago. And in that scripture, it talks about how women are supposed to be silent in the church and so there are a lot of churches right now that if you walked in the doors there would be women in the church but they would have things on top of their heads cloths and they would not say one word after they walked in the door i was pretty flabbergasted that when we walked through that book there are a lot of things that i had never been taught before as a matter of fact before women are told to be silent in the church men are told to stop gossiping basically you guys are the lead gossipers within this church and you guys need to make a better decision how you lead and let's remember every time one of these books are written when there is a challenge of correction given it's because something was wrong in the church and that was the remedy to fix the problem That doesn't necessarily mean it was the prescription for how it's always supposed to happen. Because when we read in this scripture, Paul is going to encourage a lady who has a church meet at her house. So we know that in every situation, women being completely silent and having no voice cannot be the whole idea of what was happening in scripture. When we see in other books, Ephesians, it says wives submit to your husbands, but then it says these words, husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church. Oh, I might as well just quit. For real? That's a high bar. Jesus died for us. He rose again for us. And me as a husband? I'm supposed to love my wife like that I can see why we didn't talk about that for a really really long time because that's a huge challenge in this relationship when we see these different words and then we look at how children obey your parents for it pleases the Lord and then here's another challenge to men fathers don't aggravate your children they will become discouraged Once again, I've heard, you know, kids are supposed to listen to their mom and dad. The Bible says so. Well, when did we forget to tell dads the way that's going to live out, the best way, is if you are living as a man with the attributes of your father. That's the truth. Brokenness that we see in so many children in our society has been Perpetrated by fathers who exasperate their children. That's if they're in their lives. We look at this word slaves. Obey your earthly masters in everything you do, please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. And we have a lens, I don't know about you, but I have a lens of slavery that essentially is a lens that we have this newer term around called human trafficking. And when I think of slavery, that's what I think of. I don't think of something that should be in the Bible and that it's talked about that people should actually please their master and do the things that they say and work willingly for them as if you're working for the lord but what we have to remember is in the context of this scripture the word slave that we are reading is not the human trafficking term in that same message series we saw that there are essentially in human history four types of slavery human servanthood greco-roman slavery indentured servitude and then finally African slave trade all of those chunks of slavery none of them truly embody the heart of God when they are used by sinful people in a sinful way Hebrew sovereignty was basically this if you or I fell during hard times another family may take us in And because they took us in we may work for them we may help take care of things for them we may be actually even learning a trade from them but we are not being trafficked by them greco-roman slavery when lived out in the way it was created was that people would live with families. Some were employees, teachers, managers, cooks, craftsmen, even government officials. They would own these different people who would be called slaves. Even some citizens would sell themselves into this slavery, and in many cases, they were treated humanely, and it was helpful for them to move into another place. So they may learn those different types of things that the families that they lived in would do. Some could spend their whole life with that family. Even when people came from Europe to America and they couldn't afford their trip, sometimes people would receive help to come and if they were treating correctly, they would work that off and then they would be free to move on and live what we hear about slavery in my opinion is not this word instead what we know of is slavery is truly what was birthed with the african slave trade where people have been subjected to harsh working conditions they suffer emotional physical sexual and even spiritual abuse It's not close to this idea of Hebrew servanthood or the Greco-Roman slave trade or this indentured servant thing. Even if those had good pieces, they're still not what God would call us to do if they're being lived out in a sinful way. Paul never endorses slavery in Scripture in the way we know it. Right now, in the course of human history, We live at a time where there are the most people living in the process of human trafficking than have ever lived in the course of history. Hundreds of millions of people are being trafficked around the world. Right now, outside of these doors, maybe not even outside of these doors, because I know we've had times where women, who are being trafficked, if you would have looked on the right website the day before they came to church or the day after, you would have seen their pictures on the website. There are days when we have church that people walk in here and they are not free to leave the person who has taken over control of their life and they are being trafficked. And sometimes they walk right in here And I guarantee you, just in our community, there are probably hundreds of people being trafficked right at this moment. And it is an issue, and it needs to be a concern for the local church, and it needs to be a concern for the church globally. So when we look at these difficult things that I think, even for myself for a long time, because when I heard it talked about in church, I didn't get the full story. The full story is a lot more gray than the black and white story of saying, women, shut up and do what your husband says. And don't just do it at home, do it in church too. Women, be quiet in church. You won't stand up here. You won't do any of this stuff. We'll just send you into places in the background where people can't see you. I always love this the most, people will say, don't let a woman preach from up here, but let's send her exactly where my wife is today with 20 to 30 kids who are more impressionable than any adult in this room, and we'll let her teach down there. Really? Isn't that dumb? So if is this dumb, if we can agree that's dumb, then could the outlook That we've had for too long just be wrong? And I'm serious. Could it be wrong? Yes. And I would petition a step further. I think it is wrong. So, the only way I believe that we can see these relationships in the home. In our community in the world lived out correctly isn't the back end of the relationship where it's like kids you will be good wives you will submit slaves you will live this way instead it's the front end of those relationships where the people who are challenged to love others in the way that Jesus loved the church, challenge not to aggravate our kids so they won't be discouraged, and a challenge to all of us that we treat people with human dignity and respect and allow them to be loved as children of God, that's what Paul is getting at here. And that's who we need to be as a church. And for some of us it makes us really, really uncomfortable. But that's what the Word of God does. I don't stand up here any Sunday than when there are words that fly up on that screen that are from God's Word that I go, could they please just disappear? Could that be worded differently? Could that not be there? Could I not have the responsibility to have to love in that way? Because if I don't have that responsibility, then I can just be selfish and prideful. And live the way I want to live and I have to ask how many dads of those of us who are sitting here today would be representatives of those who loved their families and their community as men like Christ loved the church would they be Dads and fathers and men in the community who loved kids in a way that did not exasperate them and instead encouraged them to be able to be molded and shaped into people who love the world because they could look at their dads as examples. Are there dads and fathers and men in the community who are represented in a way where we remove ourselves from places and actions that help supply the revenue to the human trafficking problem or are we men in this specific instance who have made a decision to lay down our pride and to believe with all of our hearts that God the Father will equip us to love everyone well That's the challenge. That's the challenge to me. It's the challenge to the other men in this room. It's the challenge to men outside of this room, and truly it's the challenge to each of us in this room. Because, my goodness, do we remember when we read just a week or so ago that when you and I come to Jesus that we are no longer different? like to change it? I bet some of us would, but we can't. And instead, if we would believe it, and believe that people within this room are all gifted to be messengers, of the mysterious gift of salvation in any way God calls them then we are gonna see Scripture lived out how it's supposed to be and the reason it's so hard and I'm just gonna straight up say this is because most of us when we think our dads they're not those types of dads and we haven't had encounters with those type of men who have said even if there's a kid without a dad I will step in and be that role model, be that mentor, be that person. And then the challenge is how do every single one of us do that? One of the most life changing studies for me was this thing called Men's Fraternity. And it never really eliminated any of the truth that comes from Scripture, but it defined it correctly. And the correct way is this we are co laborers in Christ. The same word that is used for women as a helper in Scripture is the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. So the day I decide to start taking the Holy Spirit aside, putting it aside, saying, oh, you just have a diminished role in the life of everything, is the day I'll decide to do that to my wife. But until then, I'm not going to because that's a place of honor, it's a place of dignity, and it's a place of co-laboring to show the world hope. The only reason so much of this stuff that jumps out of us at scripture that challenges us, and it challenges us all, every single person in here is getting challenged by this stuff up here about what our relationships look like, how we treat people, and what our roles in doing that within our homes and within our community look like, and it's making a squirm. And we get a choice to stay right where we're at, or to continue to grow, and continue to mature in God's Word. That's the challenge. Remember that we need to work willingly at whatever we do As though we're working for God, not for people. Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. So if we have a master, and we're challenged to be like our master, then we should be loving the world like that master, not any master that's ever been shown by the world. So if you want to know what a master looks like, and if you're the master of something or someone, you should look like... Jesus, and that's it, that's it. And if we look at how Jesus loved the world when he walked on it and through it, it does not look like way too many churches. But our hope is that he never quits on us. Our master never quits. You could be the most disgusting person on the face of this earth. But he never quits. He never stops. He never even condemns us when we look at the screen and we go, Oh, screwed it up. Instead, he says, come on. I'm right here, and I am ready to love you and help you love the world on the days where life is really difficult, when maybe you're experiencing something who has a position of authority over you and they are not living as a productive leader like Jesus, then remember this, your encouragement is, you're doing it for your father. I did a funeral, uh, where, there's Sandy, right there, for her daughter Darcy. Really incredible opportunity. And I'm not going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about what happened to me at the gravesite. My cousin, I didn't know until we went through the process of planning the funeral, was Darcy's best friend. As a matter of fact, my dad, who owns a construction company, did some work for Darcy's dad. So all these little connections are pretty cool, they always put people at ease, kind of like, maybe I kind of even know how this guy's like a little bit. But then. This is what happened. go to the gravesite funeral grows great all the people who participated in it I know some of you may be like wait Josh you said a funeral goes great You got to look at it from my perspective of what I'm helping to do which is officiate the funeral It was an incredible incredible honoring service for a young lady who embodied what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus That's what it was So we get done, and I'm talking to my cousin, happens to be the Tuesday after Father's Day, and my aunt is there, who would be my dad, one of my dad's older sisters, and she says, what did you do with your dad on Father's Day? I said, oh, I sent him a text, and he sent me a text back. So what did you do with him? I said, I sent him a text, and he sent me a text back. And then she said, I watch you, And I just don't get how you continue to be nice to a person who treats you like that constantly and consistently. What? So you know me, I was just like, oh, that feels good. Let's go on with the rest of your day. I'm going, all right, I'm about ready to start kicking over some tombstones, maybe dropping some elbows on some people. And then, as I went through this process, as a matter of fact, I met with a friend a few days ago who said, I sent a text to my dad, he didn't even send one back. Which shows you, when we can be real and authentic about some of our scenarios, we may find we're not walking through it by ourselves. We may find we can find some compadres in this fight of life. In this battle and know that you know what maybe we can challenge each other not to stay living within our anger and frustration but instead to spur each other on and then it hit me the most important part of that statement wasn't me now ripping off the scab which I did for a little bit but what it was is to hear that I am treating someone that just happens to be my father with honor and respect, even when other people look at him and say he doesn't deserve it. That means I'm still living out my piece of this challenge. And even though it hurts, and even some days I am broken about it, some worse than others, I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain when Scripture says to do it, especially when I get affirmation that other people who rarely show up to this church are seeing scripture lived out for real in front of their eyes. So if you had a dad who didn't live this way, if you had someone else in your life who didn't live this way, I challenge you to ask God to show you how to live out your piece of these challenges about these relationships and because when we do, We set an example to the world of what it looks like to live for Jesus. Next, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. When we ask in prayer, And when we devote ourselves to prayer, God is going to give us opportunities to talk about the good things that we've experienced in our relationship with him. Paul even says, that's why I'm here in chains. He's saying, I am in jail today writing to you simply because I have prayed to have an alert mind, a thankful heart, and I've asked God to give us opportunities to share Jesus. And that's why I'm in jail. That's why I'm arrested and I will not stop proclaiming that message and I ask for your prayers to have the strength to do it. Are you praying daily that God would give you an alert mind, you would live out of that heart of thanksgiving like we talked about last week, and asking God to give you opportunities to share his hope. We need to be asking God for that daily. Your and I words, our words are on display. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. What my aunt said to me on that day is me, maybe getting lucky for once, living out scripture. And living out this idea of having gracious words and attractive words so that when we have a response, even in difficult situations, we will honor God. Every single word that comes out of our mouth, we are told in Scripture that it will either bring life or death. So when your words are on display throughout a day, does your scoreboard say you are bringing about more? Life or death? As a parent, talking to your children, are you bringing more life or death? As a spouse, talking to your spouse, are you bringing more life or death? If you're someone who leads in a place of employment, do your words bring more life or death? If you're someone who is already fretting because your brain starts to turn to monday and you're going no do your words even in those difficult situations bring life or death how about this in every circumstance that you get to say a word does that word bring life or death are you praying that you will be prepared to speak life Because every day Paul challenges us that our words are on display. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Paul says about these two folks, they are faithful and loved workers. faithful and loved workers people paul has made a decision i can write this letter i can give a report i can send it to the church in colossi i know it will get there and i know it will be communicated with hope and pointing people to continuing to grow in their relationship with Jesus. The more that Jesus, our master of this church, can look at me and you and affirm that you and I are faithful and loving workers, then we, as the body of Christ in this place, will be doing what we are called to do. Are we being faithful in knowing that God has called us to his work? Are we being loving in our words and deeds? Are we sharing God's hope, sharing the story of our lives? Are we doing it in a way that brings encouragement to the world? Because we know that Paul saw it important enough to point out a couple people at the end of this letter who were faithful and loved workers. The power of connection. Aristocus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. This is Is what the power of connection looks like we know that paul has been called to bring the mysterious mystery of the gospel to the gentiles but he also finds comfort in working with jewish believers who bring comfort to him he's saying here are some of the faithful people who began this process to bring the message Of hope to the Gentiles one of them is in prison with me one of them will probably be making his way to you another sends his greetings and I'm thankful because in certain ways we are like-minded in a way that allows us to build the kingdom of God and they bring comfort to me the power of connection within the life of the church has been designed to bring comfort to each of us When we have the common denominator that we believe God is our Father, Jesus is our Savior, the Holy Spirit is our advocate and our God, we have this common denominator that has shown us we believe in the core pieces of the truth of the gospel of salvation. The rest of these letters are challenging human beings who mess things up all the time to do their best to show the world Jesus' love are you experiencing connection within the life of the church? And is that connection something that brings you comfort? One of the things I've began to ask God to give me discernment about in all areas of like our church or in relationships I have, give me discernment that when there are people in places of leadership and different things like that, does their leadership bring comfort to the team they're leading? If their leadership does not bring comfort to their team they're leading, no matter how great they are at organizing, no matter how great they are, At doing what they do if they do not have an attitude that honors jesus then they are not living out what the real power of connection looks like and i have to do my job to help equip them to do it or find a better place that their gifts can be used so this is my question to you if you show up to church often, and you cannot affirm that you are experiencing this power of connection, no matter where you're at in life, then I ask that you will take a step of faith and reach out to someone. I ask this, if you've been someone who has been in church a long time, And the last thing you think about when you think about connections in church is that they're supposed to bring comfort to me because you've been hurt and you've been wounded and you've hurt others and you've wounded others and you find this place that you're in that is just not life-giving and not fun, then I pray right now you would ask God, renew my mind to a place where I can trust that other people who are following Jesus can live in this type of connection with me and I'll take a chance to do relationship again. Here's another piece of what it looks like when our relationships are working correctly. People are cheering us on. Epiphras, a member of your own fellowship and servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you asking God, To make you strong and perfect fully confident that you are following the whole will of god i can assure you that he prays hard for you and also the believers in laodicea and heropolis luke the beloved doctor sends his greetings and so does demas this right here shows us the benefit of relationships is that we can find other people cheering us on in life fellowship emerges Prayer emerges, worrying about what the main things are rather than the insignificant things. Like Paul has said, when we work together within the life of the church, that means we can focus on more of the things that unite us rather than pull us apart. And when we can do that, we can know we are cheering each other on in this walk with God. Last thing from the book of Colossians as we conclude We are called to be sharing this mysterious message of hope. Paul says, please give my greetings to our other brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and to the the church that meets in her house. After you read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too, and you should read the letter I wrote to them. And I say to Archippus, you uh, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul, signed, remember my chains, may God's grace be with you. At the end of his message, he encourages the church in Colossae to pass it on to another town. The letter that they are now holding for Laodicea, they should take the time to read that. And then it says, encourage this woman, Nympha, and the church that meets at her house. And then he finally says, and I believe this is a message to every single one of us, and an encouragement from Paul be sure to carry out the mystery the Lord gave you. You and I, as adopted sons and daughters of God, carry the mystery, we carry ministry. We carry the ability to be messengers of God's hope. And I can tell you this, I believe it's as great of a mystery at this time in history than it ever has been. A gospel that does not have anything tied to it, that does not tell you you have to earn it, or does not tell you if you're cleaned up in just these few ways, you get to experience it. That has clouded much of culture's view towards the church as something that at the very least is insignificant. But bigger than that has absolutely no place in my life because it has no voice that can lead me to somewhere more than where I'm at. And instead, I believe that the mysterious gospel we have is a free gift that is not earned. And that does not have any label on it that has to be achieved before it gets to be something that is activated in our lives and then can transform us. That mysterious good news, the free gift of salvation, the hope I love an article I shared on Facebook, that no matter how big of a dirt ball you are, God's grace is sufficient. That is a mysterious gospel to those who have never heard it before. It's a mysterious gospel to other people in our community sitting in churches that don't preach a free gift of salvation. It's a mysterious gospel to those who, in their lives now, have quit on the idea that there is anything that could be tied to God that is good. And guys, we're called to be messengers that bring hope of this mysterious gospel that's part of a big story that we get to play a little role in to bring hope to the world. Let's pray. God. Once again, we thank you for allowing the word to come forth in a way that doesn't push it in something that just makes it easier for our ears to hear. Paul challenged us big time in Colossians not to be swayed by persuasive arguments and human reasoning. And God, there have been plenty of persuasive arguments and human reasoning that have gone into segmenting and splitting the church up in a million different directions. And God, it confuses people who are wanting to live for you, and it's led to hurt and pain and anger and frustration. And God, our desire here at Cause is to see those barriers and those walls broken down so we can simply look at God's Word and share it. I've had plenty of times When in my immaturity And that's not years ago. That's right now I've even shared messages where people who have then approached me and said could I challenge you to study this a little bit Deeper to look at this a little bit more thoroughly and just not take it in the way that you've heard it And then when I've done that it's forced me to change What I've taken just to be the truth Force me to look at my individual life as a man running after God's heart to change and to lead in different ways. And some of the things that we've talked about this morning, they're the things that have split people away from the church and split people in the church. And God, I pray that the enemy will not be able to use those tactics in this place this morning. And instead your truth will prevail your hope will be on display the mysterious mystery of the gospel of salvation will be alive and well in this place and God I pray you'll start to eliminate this lie that when we have differences with people that that should end relationship with people Jesus didn't do that. He didn't even do that with the religious leaders of the day. He could have corrected religious leaders in a moment out on the streets and in public. And if they, the very same ones, would have invited him to a party that night, he would have went. And he would have walked in with the same grace and truth that he embodied the whole time he was here on earth, whether he was in a moment where he was correcting those who were wrong or being invited to a party by those very same people. And he would have used both opportunities to show that he embodied the very attributes of his father and heaven was on earth because he was obedient to his dad. God, I pray you convict our hearts. I pray that you challenge the way We have been taught about some of the things we've seen on the screen today when we have just taken them for granted But when the truth of the matter is looked at some of scripture has just been kind of forgotten about and That is not right And it's not something we will do here and in the moments when we see that our thinking has led us away from God's Word, then your correction will bring us back. And your loving correction in the midst of this fellowship will bring us to a new place. And we will believe without a doubt that the mystery of salvation brings each of us to the cross, fully equipped after meeting Jesus as our Savior, to be messengers who carry the hope of Christ wherever we go. So today I pray your conviction will not fall on deaf ears. I pray places where the scriptures step on our feet will stop and we'll figure out why that makes us uncomfortable. And if we don't know why it makes us uncomfortable, we'll go have a conversation. And God, I pray now for every single person in this place that we will know we are called to pray daily. We are called to guard our words so that they bring life. We are called to be drawn into relationship and connection and support that breathes life into us, not sucks life out of us. And we are called to simply be your sons and daughters. I pray all the other stuff that entangles us and all the other stuff that calls to us that tries to add to that basic promise that we're your kids would be stripped away so we can come back to a place of childlike faith. And so that as we carry this message, people will see you and not us. And the only reason they'll see us is because our stories point to you. God, I pray we would live in such a way that one day we could write a letter of encouragement to our family and our friends, like Paul does to the churches, and just say, this has been my life. These have been my wins, these have been my losses, here are the struggles, but bigger than anything, here is what I remember, that God is good. And that he'll use you and work in you and through you. Let that promise be what we carry out of this place today. For your glory, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.